0: Apps have changed nearly everything about how we live, how we stay connected socially, how we engage in e-commerce, how we run our businesses. They've also completely transformed the darker world of cybercrime, hacktivism, espionage, and warfare. For why the focus on applications? Simple. They're the reason people use the internet. Applications communicate, calculate, process, store, search, coordinate, and forecast for us. They are the muscles of the business. Thus, they must function when they need to, and they must function as expected. This is Sarah Boddy, Director of Threat Research at F5 Labs.
1: And this is Ray Pompon, Principal Threat Researcher at F5 Labs.
0: And we conducted a year-long research study to see how applications are being attacked. This research, the Application Protection Report, has confirmed what we saw in our own experience. Apps are the primary targets for attackers. So in this four-part podcast series, we're going to share our findings. Some of them are alarming. Some of them are not so surprising at all. And we are going to help you prioritize what you should focus on to reduce your application risk. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. So now we are in episode two of our podcast series on the application protection report. And we want to focus on threats against what we have defined as the application services tier. Um, so if you listen to the first podcast, we're talking about threats against the application source code, internal code, external code, server-side infrastructure, webs- the web server itself, the CDN, the data store on the back end, and server-side framework. So this is kind of like the the meatiest part of the app. Um, it's it's people.
1: Worth, when you think of web app attacks, this is where people think you're going.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and, and what we see in our research and what we see in our, our threat monitoring on a day-to-day basis, this is where we see the majority of attacks. Yes. Um, so, Ray, take us into where you saw uh, the primary focus of application attacks at the services tier.
1: Okay. So one of the things, uh, we did a bunch of research and we wanted to pull this all together. And one of the things we looked at were, were breaches. And um, we looked at, if you saw or listened to last week's episode or la- last episode, we talked about where the data sources came from. One of them was the, the breach records itself. The 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 um, state's attorney general publishes the letters that show how people got breached. So we essentially read a year and a quarter of these letters and went through the actual text of them, and this is where you require some security expertise, and looked at the the actual text in the letter that says, like, we got attacked this way and this is why your data has been lost or we experienced this kind of event and we took that and we started to break them into categories and we start off with you know several hundred and we were able to get about 304 over the over a year and a quarter so 2017 and first quarter 2018 that actually gave us definitive causes for a breach. And when we looked at this, we didn't just say like, okay, you know, we're not we're not counting records we're not counting anything. We're just looking at pure breaches. So if you had a breach that happened that affected three different organizations because it was a third party, we counted that as one. Because mm-hmm. I was literally looking like, how are people breaking in? What can we learn about that? And we, then we, we took that analysis and we broke them down. And the number one cause, 30% of them, were web app attacks, web attacks. And then that was followed by phishing and accidents, credit theft, and those were like 14 and 13 percent, malware, um, physical breach, and um, point of sale attacks was common, and then insider attacks at 2 percent.
0: And that's actually not much different than the research project that you and I had done a year prior, where we looked at 12 years of breach records, but we didn't just pull attorney general letters, we pulled public right. cases from right. news articles and right. and... and company breaches where they disclose it on their own website, right? Right. So it's interesting that, you know, over a span of 12 years or just laser focusing on one year, um, it didn't change much, right? So we know, we are conclusive that application attacks are the majority of breach, or the majority of, the cause of most breaches. Yeah. Put it yeah. that way. Yes. Because um, Ray, and, Ray and I actually have debated this quite a bit of a lot of times you'll figure out organizations will disclose either the initial attack or they'll disclose the root cause. And then you have to back into either. They usually don't talk about both. But what's important for us to understand is how do how do breaches initially occur? What is the initial attack that started the breach? And right. then secondarily, the underlying root cause. Both of those things are important from a security standpoint.
1: Right, right. And so when we're looking through these letters, and again, it's just like this isn't something you can easily automate. Actually, we couldn't automate it because mm-hmm. th- it was not even standard as to wh- how these things are written. A lot of them were written by attorneys,
0: mm-hmm. and they'll say malware was the attack. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and, and not uh, the attack. Or, yeah,
1: yeah, or <laughs> ransomware. It's yeah. like, Well, did somebody click on something, yeah. or did somebody download something? Yeah. But we did see over and over again website, website, mm-hmm. website, website, mm-hmm. and and the majority of them under the the web attacks. So I'm going to take that 30 percent of the of the finding said webs. Um, Of that 30%, 70% of those talked about this code insertion, rogue code insertion. It was an injection attack. Somebody went to a website, and they injected their own code, and it was basically they were stealing payment card information this is part of a couple of big attack campaigns that have been going on for a couple of years and I actually fully expect to see more breach records come out about this cuz it's still i I'm, you know, I go look today and I still see announcements about this mm-hmm. so they go to a website that takes payment card information or login information and they mess with the web app and inject their own code and you know usually it, you know it can be a cross-site scripting or, or some sort of way that they basically are they've modified the app Um. And I should add, they've modified the app, they've tampered with the app, and that was actually something that came up in our survey of, of um, security professionals says that was a, a very painful thing to have the app modified.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you know, here we are, their worst nightmares happening.
0: Yeah, because consumers care about availability of the app first and foremost, and then they care about the app functioning the way they want it to. Right. The user's going to know when something's not working right, if the price is off on something, well, right? So, uh, the, or if the right data is not in their account. Yeah. They're yeah. going to get more upset about that than they do actually about their PII getting breached.
1: Right. Well, i to say here's the nefarious part about this particular code insertion. is the, the way this campaign played out was people didn't know they were doing it, so they would modify the, essentially the shopping cart. There was a few shopping cart attacks that were part of this as well. That um, So you would go to a site and you'd say, hey, enter your, your credit card or, or debit card information and your name and, and hit enter, and they would modify that code. And usually the modification was very simple in such a way that it said, oh, Run this code and then go off-site and run this other code over here. So they would actually point you off-site to some mm-hmm. other bulletproof ISP where they're running their they have mm-hmm. their own code stored there so they can change it on the fly. And oftentimes they're even doing things like they're looking at the IP address of the incoming call and going, oh, you know, I'm not going to be stealing payment card information from this particular country because I'm only interested in that or I'm mm-hmm. not going to steal the logins for that. Mm-hmm. The really kind of sneaky stuff.
0: Yeah, like, it's smart. You have to think of cybercrime as a business, right? And they know certain data is worth more than others. Right. So I mean, I'm the, not that interested in this. It's not worth my time. Right. I'm going to get more out of this data. That's what I'm going to keep.
1: Or worse, hey, this is a security re- researcher or, or yeah. an SEO bot. Yeah. I don't want you to get this. Yeah. But so when it's the right target, they'll serve up the code they want, mm-hmm. which will, of course, snarf the credit card number and ship it off-site to some other storing place. And sometimes they'll even add extra fields. So if, if you ever encountered the hey, we need you to log in. And, oh, by the way, I know your social security number and your mother's maiden name. Sometimes that's usually one of these where they've added that. And people are like, oh, okay. And, it, and of course, it's the live site. Mm-hmm. So you it, you don't think about it. It's just like, hey, suddenly now they're asking me this question. Actually, my wife is a university professor and she actually showed me one of these that she had where she was going. Um, it was with was, it was a combo with a fish where she would click a link and then you go to the, the, the real university login page where they had overlaid some additional code that added, uh, you know, enter your mother's maiden name. And I was like, oh, that's very clever. And actually Mm -hmm. snapshot it the heck and did some analysis of that. Mm. So this campaign had been going on for a few years. 70%. This is where the breach is there. And you would see these letters where it'd be like from February so-and-so to like November, this road code was running on our site. So And they would find out about this afterwards through fraud and, and backtrace it and realize, oh, somebody modified our site and added this code. And stole a whole bunch of payment cards. and now we've sending out breach letters. So that was you know our first big finding. it was like, wow, this is this is an ongoing campaign that people need to know about mm-hmm. and need to defend themselves
0: mm-hmm. yeah. That's so why research like this is so important because um, you know they're they're targeting entire industries, not just one particular target, right? And right. And they're leveraging the same attacks and exploits that work, you know, as broad as they possibly can. A lot of times people don't share this information enough so other people don't learn from somebody else's, you know, I wouldn't, Some in some cases it's mistakes and failures. People are, are, are not putting proper security controls in place and sometimes they're doing a lot of what, as much as they possibly can and they're still getting breached, right? Like, you, you'll see zero-day situations where that'll come up. But the industry as a whole should be sharing this type of information more frequently and security owners should be listening to this kind of stuff and learning from other people's mistakes. And that's one of the reasons we do this research, right?
1: I wouldn't even have to have done this research if these breach records weren't written in a textual form published right. as a PDF. If they, right. if people were required to even disclose the cause of a breach in a way that researchers or the industry in general could find out. Yeah. So we could fix these problems.
0: Well, I I mean, all right, double down on that problem. We can only get attorney general letters from a small handful of states, right? Yeah, There's we- still two or three states left in the United States that don't even have breach disclosure laws right. and we're leading along with Europe globally in terms of actually disclosing breaches. Although um,
1: I do have to admit I did I did some some rough <laughs> Statistical analysis to say that I did get a significant percentage of no, you of totally records. did. You totally did.
0: You got a statistically relevant sample. Yes. So, so we believe in this data wholeheartedly. But industry wide, globally, as a consumer of the internet, it yes. is frustrating to me that the majority of breaches that do occur go undisclosed, un- unreported, unnoticed, and undisclosed. Well, and
1: let if you're if you're even talking about that too, the the records, the the notifications, they're just not uniform. No, oh, yeah. Depending yeah. on the data, state by state, yeah. there's different people who are required to report or not report. Well,
0: and that's why we have to use our best judgment and, yeah. and back into things that are you know logical choices of the only way that this could have happened. And right. we have to right. we have to analyze it and figure out. Well, and also uh,
1: kudos to the companies who wrote the letters that actually wrote this detail in because like I can say of the so 70% said this, 26% said our website was attacked. And yeah. your data—it's like that. What does that mean to me? It tells yeah. me yes, a website was attacked, and that's significant to, to tier this. Right. But beyond that, I can't tell you what you know. What yeah. happened? What yeah. really happened? And yeah. then four percent, a database was involved. Yeah. Which was likely SQL injection.
0: Yeah. Well, and devils in the details here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of injection attacks that come through forums and CMSs and random user input fields that a lot of times developers don't even know exist because a lot of times developers that are working on applications, they just got handed somebody else's code. You know, an application could have been written five years ago, 10 years ago, and the lead developer on it is you know, a year and a half into his job, and he hasn't had the time to go through and analyze everything and understand really what his application is doing. He's just in charge of new features, right? So a lot of times, companies are figuring out where their injection holes are because they got compromised.
1: And I would even add a number of these um, attacks that I was reading through and digging into the details of some of these cases. They were third-party libraries. Yeah. So, so yeah. developers are out there just adding libraries so that they don't know what's in them. And bad guys know this. They're mm-hmm. they're booby-trapping libraries with back doors.
0: They're making scans for it. Yeah, They're looking for
1: them. Yeah, and they, they put them out there. They write some code. They mm-hmm. think, hey, people will like this. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. They put it out. Oh, they'll patch something that's mm-hmm. open source and add their own little nasty stub that points to something that may change. And people don't even know, and it's baked into this giant apple pie of all these different ingredients in an app that no one finds out about until, hey, all my... My payment card information is flying out. Yep, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's just really scary. Mm-hmm. And people aren't fully understanding. We go back to the thing we we're talking about, where people need to understand what they have, yep. especially their critical apps. Their apps that are holding the data that's valuable.
0: Yep, a hundred percent. That's the place to start. But then um, securing them can get really complex, right? You do have to have that deep understanding of your applications as a whole, especially the code if it's something that you own and operate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I like WAF so much, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of details that go in, into vulnerability management for application security as a whole. Yes. Throw something in front of it, block those attacks. You know, block those different types of injection attacks and and you know malicious file types, right. input sanitization, and do a lot of that cleaning higher up. Right, you right. still fix what's under one what's underneath, but you got some time.
1: Well, and you're getting kind of an idea of what's coming in and what the attacks are. So it's like, hey, I'm seeing a lot of injection attacks. I'm getting these kind of alarms. Now I can know that this is where we should focus our vigilance. This is where we should educate. It's, it's actually a, a cycle that I've used in in my world, uh, running things in, in app security, to actually go to the developers and show them the attack data, show mm-hmm. them the vulnerability data, and say, here's, you know, I'll go through the OWASP top 10 and talk about it. here's what this an injection attack looks like. Oh, and by the way, this is how it actually works in the real world on our site and here's people banging on the door this is Mm -hmm. why this is important and Mm -hmm. and it's funny i've actually given these classes to developers and developers get up out of the room and walk back to their desk and they start coding i'm like
0: Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. that's the outcome i want Mm -hmm. yeah hundred percent we um I used to contract with Jim Manico to come and teach all of our developers secure coding. Mm-hmm. Um, and about two years into it, we started just doing like um, hackathons during his boot camp of secure coding, <laughs> where we would actually look at our actual vulnerabilities and yeah. we would fix them on the fly. And, and in some cases, he would help them with it. But but that's super that's super um, effective and impactful. And I think speaking their language too. If we know that availability is paramount. And integrity of features is paramount to them. Right. Then you speak their language in terms of this is what will happen to the main things that you care about. Mm-hmm. You know, you as a security professional don't want your PII data to go out the door, right? Because that's your responsibility. But right. they're responsible for features and business functions right. and and money, right? Right. Um, so speaking their language, I think, is super important. Um, so before we close out the the conversation about threats at this services tier. Um, I want to highlight SQL injection because mm-hmm. um, that was one of the stats that came up as a as a primary injection vector. And yes. I think SQL injection is the big bad web app vulnerability that's been around for decades. That's, in my opinion, quite simple to find. doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to fix, but no. um, there's a free tool that you can run that takes about 30 seconds to figure out if you have a SQL injection flaw. And it still baffles me and Quite frankly, grinds my gears that that it's still such a prevalent problem, and and there are major breaches that have happened in the last couple of years as a result of SQL injection, and I just think it's a complete infosec fail.
1: Little Bobby Tables has been very busy. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the one of the things that we we also looked at other sources of data, so not just um, breaches, but we also looked at canned exploits because mm-hmm. we know there's the direct relationship. Some of the, it's a great research by uh, Mike Reitman over at Kenneth Security talking about if you see a canned exploit out there, don't even look at the the CVE um, scoring. That's more like, if there's a canned exploit, there's it's much more likely that you're gonna see it used. Mm-hmm. So we did a bunch of analysis on canned exploits and we actually mapped that up against all the Lorica attack data, live attack data. And we were seeing a very strong correspondence, especially for SQL injection and PHP. Mm-hmm. Now, not necessarily saying that all these attacks are succeeding, but you know, you, we saw a lot of PHP exploits laying around. A lot of those PHP exploits were SQL injection and we almost, it was to the point where I actually was like, am I just, did I just dupe the same graph? And I had to go back and go, no, this, I produced almost the same graph from two different data sources mm-hmm. on canned exploits and attacks in the wild. Mm-hmm. And with PHP and SQL injection popping up to the top in both cases with almost identity. It was just like, wow.
0: Well, we know attackers are in this to make money. They don't focus a lot of time and effort on things that don't work. They know right. what works. Yes. Right? Yeah. So to You've me, a, there's an obvious direct correlation, right. logically and in the data.
1: Right. I mean, if you're, if you're writing a bot, hey, here's a here's an exploit. I can shove it right into my bot. In some mm-hmm. cases, they're even using, mm-hmm. you know, pen tester tools that mm-hmm. have these things built in. And we just shove it right in. And there we, we're off and running. We'll scan the internet. We'll find somebody. Is this guy got data I want? Okay, good. If not, move on.
0: Uh, that's the thing that baffles me sometimes about security in general is that, you know, attackers automate things and, and they're about least passive resistance, ROI, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. If you throw a couple controls, you know, in their face, they'll move on to somebody else. Exactly. Right? Or you won't even show up on their scan. Like
1: I it's funny, so I actually did some work with um well we we did some joint speaking actually together in app security and the financial sector with, with our snake, Robert Hansen. And and he was actually he's he's very involved in some of the, the communities, the online hacking communities. Um you kind of keeps an eye on what's going on there and that was one of the questions he asked about like so there's all these different attacks and which ones do you pick and it's like the, you know the, the the easy ones like the injection attacks because that quickly makes us a profit mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work there's 10 other guys I can try it on 10 seconds later and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get one it's, mm-hmm. it's not worth it now to spend time dwelling on somebody to try all the different vulnerabilities let's just go for what works
0: yeah there's enough out there they yeah. don't have to work that hard that's yeah. the sad part Yep. All right. So we are going to wrap up episode two of the Application Protection Report podcast. And again, we were talking about uh, threats and breaches against the services tier. Um, any closing comments? Anything you want to?
1: Definitely want to point again that you want to read this report and see and match it up with your environment and look at where the attacks and the exploits are. It's going to help you a lot.
0: Yep. It is literally a prescription for how to view application security and how to protect yourself so you don't become a headline.
1: (laughs) Yes.